Chapter Two of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Aunt Hannah's Indignation. Aunt Hannah was present on this occasion, but she did not attempt to be a girl with the girls. One thing Aunt Hannah knew, if she didn't know anything else, so she said, and that was how to keep where she belonged. Middle-aged women, she declared, should not seek the company of younger folk, although they could with good grace accept the society of girls of all ages, if it came to them gracefully and with juvenile interest. "'In other words,' she said, "'an adult should be unto children like a magnet. If I can't draw the young folks to me as an object of interest to them, I'd better seek the company of dried-up grown-ups or live the life of a hermit. Now the members of Flamingo Campfire did like Aunt Hannah from the first day they met her. They liked her especially because she invited them to come to her home for a vacation period, and then didn't try to force her adult notions and habits upon them. She gave them the freedom of her place, told them to live in the house or pitch their tents wherever they chose, and then permitted them to go their way as it might please them. The result was, they never forgot Aunt Hannah's comfort and ease and interest, whatever they might have in mind to do. So Aunt Hannah was with the girls on this Fourth of July. As this narrative opens, we find her seated on the lawn in company with Miss Harriet Ladd, guardian of the fire, Ruth Hazelton, Ethel Zimmerman, Ernestine Johansson, Helen Nash, Azalea Atwood, and Marion Stanlock, about one hundred feet from the performing platform of the Japanese tumblers. Hazel Edwards, Harriet Newcomb, Estelle Adler, Juliet Hyde, Marie Chrismore, Catherine Crane, and Violet Monday, the other members of the fire, were grouped with several local schoolgirls on the large and massively balustrated portico of the west entrance of the courthouse. Suddenly the attention of everybody within view was directed to a disturbance and a congestion of the crowd toward the southwest corner of the square. A fight was the word passed along, and those of sporting proclivity rushed toward the center of interest. The chief of police, a man of official lonesomeness under ordinary circumstances, and his half a dozen specially sworn-in deputies all hastened toward the scene of trouble. Those on the courthouse lawn, and on the portico and table-like balustrade, from their more elevated positions, could see more distinctly than the rest of the crowd of patriotic celebrators what was going on. Two men were evidently engaged in a physical combat of no little violence, and the policemen were having their troubles in attempting to get room enough to make their official efforts effective. If the battle had been between the Monitor and the Merrimack, the crowd could hardly have pressed forward more eagerly. "'Did you ever see anything like it?' Aunt Hannah commented for the edification of those near her. "'The way the people will run to see a fight. I don't know of anything that will prove Darwin's theory any better than that. There is no doubt in my mind that our way-back ancestors lived in a jungle, and who deny, after seeing that sight, that a lot of us ought to be there now?' "'Good for you, Mrs. Hutchins,' exclaimed Adolph Helfinger, a farming character well known in the community, who was one of the score or more of persons that heard the woman's biological criticism of fight-loving humanity. 
"'It does beat all how things do get impressed on people's minds. "'I never had any use for that there monkey theory, "'but I'll be switched if I don't believe there's something to it now. "'It's just as plain as daylight. "'If people wasn't sprung from monkeys, "'they wouldn't always be making monkeys of themselves.' "'Everybody in hearing distance of these two speeches laughed heartily. "'The campfire girls on the courthouse portico, "'observing that the group on the lawn had become a center of interest "'that counteracted the depressing and unsavory effect of the fight, "'left their position and joined Aunt Hannah's group. "'What's the joke?' inquired Harriet Newcomb, "'as she and the other girls with her distributed themselves here and there "'on unoccupied portions of the seating capacity of the lawn.' "'That is an impertinent question,' replied Aunt Hannah with mock severity. "'If some of you exclusive people would drop your exclusiveness and seek the company of bright folks, you'd be more likely to be on hand when something interesting turns up.' "'Very well,' Harriet acquiesced gravely. "'We'll sit right down with Ewanses and wait for something more that is brilliant to happen. I do really hope it will come pretty soon.' for that big crowd of fight fans over there gets my goat. "'Why, Miss Newcomb?' Aunt Hannah exclaimed as if deeply shocked. "'Aren't you ashamed of yourself to use such slang in my presence before you know whether I approve of it?' "'Don't you approve of slang, Mrs. Hutchins?' asked Catherine Crane. "'Now don't you try to put me to any such test as that, because I won't fall for it,' the demure madam answered. That is getting away from the issue. This is not a question of slang, but of diplomacy. I am very fond of diplomats, Miss Newcomb. Oh, I knew you weren't very unfriendly toward slang, Harriet replied positively. I don't believe in diplomacy when I am sure of my ground. You talk like an old head, Aunt Hannah commented admiringly. I am only seventeen. "'Harriet flashed back with the dignity of youth consciousness. "'But I'm old enough to understand that diplomacy is made up chiefly of camouflage fibs.' "'What are camouflage fibs?' inquired Azalea Atwood. "'You are forever springing big words on us, Harriet. "'Now make good and explain this one.' "'Camouflage,' the challenged girl began, having in view a scholarly discourse on the French origin of the idea in European warfare. Then she stopped suddenly and fixed her attention on something that was taking place a few feet from the temporarily unoccupied Japanese tumbler stand. Every other person in the group, dominated by Aunt Hannah and the campfire girls, followed with their eyes the direction of her gaze. "'There's another fight, Mrs. Hutchins,' Harriet continued changing her subject to fit the occasion. I'm going to keep still and give some of the bright folks a chance to produce something interesting. Yes, two men were engaged in a pugilistic demonstration that looked like the beginning of another unsavory sensation. The cause of their hostility toward each other was not apparent, but at the start had the appearance of being about as ridiculously unequal as it well could be. One of the men was not more than five feet six inches tall and slight of stature. The other was over six feet and built like an athlete. A cry of indignation went up from hundreds of throats as the large man was seen to reach forward suddenly and give the smaller fellow a slap on the face that could be heard two hundred feet away. 
"'Villain!' exclaimed Mrs. Hutchins, with high indignation, and the sentiment was echoed in like manner from many other quarters. End of chapter 2